A vision without execution is just a dream. Welcome to Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. Like the show title says, Chris speaks with transformative experts and business leaders who share their successes, failures, and leadership tips that will help you transform your business into a success story. Now, here's your host, Chris Elias. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Transformative Experts. I have with us today, JJ Ramberg. JJ is a co-founder of uh, Good Pods. And uh, Good Pods is a, a, it's, it's a great resource for listening to podcasts, among other things. I've used it a lot myself. But, um, but JJ, welcome to the show this morning. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me. Hey, uh, you know, give give the audience just so we can set some context. Give the audience just a uh, you know a, a couple minutes on Good Pods and what you guys do. I'm sure it's my favorite thing to talk about these days. Um, so Good Pods is a podcast app where you can access millions of podcasts. You can play them. You can bookmark them. Etc. But the magic of Good Pods is that you can follow friends and influencers and you, Chris, and me, and groups to see what they're listening to. So like my use case as a listener is every time I'm about to go for a run, I just go through my feed. Like you can picture your Instagram feed, but all it is is your friends and what podcasts they've listened to. And so it's just a really cool way to discover new podcasts. So you don't spend, I used to do half of the time I'm meant to be running, searching for a podcast to listen to while I'm running. <laughs> yeah, that's it kind of waste the time. I actually have really enjoyed the the ease of the use and and, and following it as well. Um, you know, I wish I had more time to, to to listen to some of these. I think my list of of things I need to listen to is growing faster than than, than my available time, but it has made it so much easier. What um what prompted you guys to start this? I mean, I, I personally I think the interface is ingenious and. Um, you know, entrepreneurial success usually comes from finding some sort of a need and filling it. I mean, where'd you guys come up with the idea? Um, we, there were two things actually. So I started this with my brother, Ken, Ken's a, a incredibly successful entrepreneur. And we also have another company together, but we're both big podcast listeners. And on the user side, I really felt, you know, the, the experience I just explained to you happened to me all the time where I just, couldn't find something new to listen to. And I knew there were a zillion great podcasts out there. I just needed someone to tell me what they are. So inevitably I'd call someone up or I'd text them and every dinner party was like, what podcast are you listening to? And it just felt like there's an obvious way to fix this problem. Let's just create something, create an app where you can follow people. It exists with books like Goodreads. It exists on Instagram, Twitter, et cetera. Let's do it podcast specific. On the flip side, though, I was also an anchor um, for MSNBC for over a decade, and I had a podcast that corresponded with my show. And while my podcast did well, I am not delusional. I do very much know that one of the reasons it did well is because I had NBC News behind me and supporting me. And I just felt like... There are a zillion great voices out there and there's just great content that's getting buried because they don't have connections and deep marketing dollars. I do with my podcast as part of NBC. And so what can I do um, to help surface up more of those voices and so connect 
listeners to podcasts and podcasts to listeners that you wouldn't necessarily find elsewhere. Oh, that's excellent. But so you, you know, you obviously you mentioned your, your partnership with your brother and you guys have both been successful entrepreneurs. We don't, we don't just find success out of nowhere. And um, your story is an interesting one. And, and as we always do, we always want to start out with some of that story. Um, you know, please, you know, share, share again with our audience a little bit about how you got to where you are today. I mean, you know, the, the, the path, you know, where you got started a little bit about, you know, family life growing up and, um, you know, and, and certainly, you know, your life as an anchor. Uh, well, I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. So my dad had his own business. My mom, who was a stay-at-home full-time mom until I was in high school, basically, or junior high. And then my mom started a company with my brother, Ken, who was just out of college. He's my co-founder now. And so that was pre-internet, by the way. What it was became that company? A, it was called Job Track. And it was an, a job listing company. They ended up selling it to monster.com. Oh. But, but these were, these were in the days where a stay at home mom in her, you know, mid to late forties and a kid just graduated from college, starting a company was not like, you know, now it's so normal. Then everyone was like, this is never going to succeed again. It was before the internet. And so I really had a front row seat to, cause I was still home and I worked for them right part-time answering phones. And so I really got to watch my mom and my brother build this company from nothing, bootstrapping it into what became a very successful company. And there was tough competition along the way and the internet started. And so they had to change their whole business model and, um, or rather the way they did things. And so and again, my dad was an entrepreneur too, and both grandfathers. And so I just, I think I saw it. I saw it just sitting around our kitchen table, what it's like to start a company. So it didn't feel like other to me. It felt very normal, even though it's not what I did right after college. I went and I was a journalist um, and then I went to grad school and then I was a journalist again. So, but it always was in the back of my mind that, it was, it, I wanted to start something at some point and I also wanted it to have some sort of social responsibility attached to it. Excellent. Excellent. And you know, the, the journalist career, I mean, certainly it, it, it's helped you with, with good pods, but um, what other things did it, did it help you with? Uh, did it support and, and, and stoke any of that entrepreneurial fire? Oh, yeah. I mean, completely. So again, with Good Pods are what I love about and I'll, and I'll tell you the other stuff, too. But in Good Pods, what I love about podcasts is the same thing that I love about journalism, right, about being a, a journalist is that I get to go in and out of other worlds. Right. And a relatively low commitment. So I can be listening to a podcast about science and I get into that world. And then I switch gears and I'm listening to some history and then I'm listening to self-help. And so I get to learn so much about things through podcasts, which is why I like good pods, because I can follow people who know the best podcasts to listen to in all these worlds. As a journalist, it was the same. So I had, I hosted a show about entrepreneurship for 13 years and I got to just kind of parachute into people's lives and hear their stories, much like what you do now, right? Hear their stories, be inspired by what they've done, learn all the details about how they got to where they are and just kind of come out of it knowing something that I didn't know going into it. So I, it's the same 
kind of curiosity, I think, that made me want to be a journalist that makes me want to create this podcast platform where I can learn all these new things. You know, you made a comment a few minutes ago that, um, you know, you starting up your, your home-based business, you know, or, or an entrepreneurial business, you know, back, you know, 20 years ago and all that stuff, it was very different. Today, it's very normal. People are doing it. Um, as more and more start start the start up their own businesses though successes aren't quite what they used to be right i mean it's the world it's getting tougher and more fierce i think and you know what are some of the things as you talked and, and learned from entrepreneurs what, what do you think are some of the the most successful habits of these entrepreneurs the ones that have really hit it big there is one thing so I spent, you know, as I said, over a decade interviewing entrepreneurs from, you know, people on Main Street in Brundage, Alabama, to the founders of Peloton and Square and all these people. And, and the one thing that I found across the board that successful people share, it's not what connections do you have? How much money are you outgoing? What school did you go to? It's none of that. It is hands down. How do you deal with failure? because you cannot be successful if you cannot deal with failure. And so, you know, and people deal with it differently. It's not like, oh, this failed, move on. It's, you know, people cry and they're mad and all these things, but wake up the next morning and say, okay, now how do I move forward? Yeah, there's a- there's It's a, great. In my, oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say there's a certain fortitude that everybody has to have if, if you're gonna be successful as an entrepreneur. We, we, you, don't, you don't just hit a home run the first time you step up. Not at all. And all of these overnight stories that we all read about are, you know, take a long time to get there. You just don't hear about the path along the way. You know, I always thought like, I want to be, I want to, I want to hear these stories from people as they are building things day by day. By day. Tell me about the day that you thought you were going to fail as you were in the middle of it. Because by the end, when people are really successful and they tell those stories, it's all kind of like, you know, it's all very folksy. But but when you're in the middle of it, it's really hard. And everyone needs to know that it is hard for everyone. So what were um, what were some of the stories that really impacted you along the way? I mean, again, hundreds, maybe if, if not thousands of stories that you've listened to in, in your career, um, even prior to starting your current company. Um, you know, I, I, we always love to hear good stories here. What are some some great stories of successes and failures in the path to get there? Oh my gosh, there's so many because, you know, again, everyone is successful and fails, but I mean, a couple of them that were really inspiring to me, there's Sugar Soap Factory here in Los Angeles, where I am now. I did this story on them so long ago. This is a guy who made soap, um, private label soap for the, for uh, hotels in Las Vegas. One day he got a call from his distributor saying, these guys got a better deal from a company over overseas they're going to charge them half the price literally overnight his sales dropped by i forget the exact numbers right now but it was something like 60 percent and so he had to lay off a bunch of his staff close down part of his factory and he as he said it he went home that night he like cried his wife was so upset and then woke up as i said before the next morning and said what am i going to do 
And so he worked with the electric company to figure out how to make his bills smaller on his electricity. He came up with his own branded soap. He started selling to a few other people. And eventually, after I think not even that long, maybe a year or two, he got to hire back a bunch of his employees. But it's like stories like that over and over and over again of people who are just sucker punched and then get back up and say, okay, how do I fix this now? Yeah, I, I remember, um, I forget the gentleman's name now, uh, but but I remember attending a conference back when I was living in Detroit about um, a guy who started a really large organization, and he talked about, you know, having seven failed starts, you know, before before he finally hit the one that, that really took off. I mean, you know, it was just, you know, and, and he said, you just got to keep getting up and keep going if that's what you want to do. You know, people uh, people think you can go and just learn entrepreneurialism. Some of the schools now are teaching entrepreneurialism. And what they're really teaching is how to run a business, how to run an, an individual business. But but are they teaching the, the fortitude? Are they teaching the the the, the drive, the, the willingness to, to put it all in? I mean, think about people like even Bill Gates. I mean, you know, the, the story as I heard it, you know, many, many years ago is here's a guy who after what being fired from IBM, I think it was, or whatever, being told that his stuff would never, with funding, he's sleeping under his desk because he didn't have another place to, to live and just, just working on his software and what he's taken it to today. He could have just picked up and just gone somewhere else and just fall into, into the trap that many others do. And, and, but he didn't, you know, there was something that drove him. Yeah, I think you need to go into things just knowing it's not just work, right? It's life, relationships, or just knowing it's going to be hard, right? It's going to be hard sometimes. And so that when you hit those bumps in the road, you just say, here's the time. Now I know, you know, I, I knew this was coming. It's here. Let's just deal with it. Let's move on. I mean, everyone has hard time. Look, when we launched Good Pods, we worked on this. We launched the first design, spent all this money and time on it and got it. And it was terrible. We had to redesign the entire app before we could put it out to the world. Something like that is just heartbreaking when you've been working so hard and you're so excited to launch something, but it happens. It, it does. It does. Um, you know, speaking of good pods, um, how many, how many podcasts are there right now in the world? Oh my God. Shoot. Last time I checked, which was a while ago, I think it was 40 million episodes. You know, there are millions of podcasts, millions. And so that's why, you know, we really wanted to create a space where you don't just keep hearing about the same top 10, but you have some way to get deep into that find things that you'll love. Well, that's excellent. Yeah. It's, it, 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 it can be daunting when you see all this stuff out here. Um, you know, I want to, I want to dive into some of the other business and some of the other things we're already coming up on our first break though. So, you know, time, time goes quickly. Let's go ahead and take our first break and we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. True results happen where culture meets execution. The Execution Culture, co-written by our host, Chris Elias, is designed to make your company smarter, faster, and stronger by sharing real-world advice on culture, leadership, and execution. It's time to transform your business with the help of The Execution Culture. The book is available now on Amazon. Click the link on the show page. 
Is your company or team struggling to achieve the results you would like? Optimize your life, your team, and your organization through clarity, purpose, and action. At Mexicute, we have over 100 years of combined experience leading organizations and coaching individuals to achieve their vision. We design a customized approach to ensure successful execution and optimize your results. Connect better. Grow better. For a free consultation with Chris Elias, visit nexecutegroup.com. That's N-E-X-E-C-U-T-E group.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. If you have a question or a comment about the show, please send an email to listener at transformativeexperts.com. Now, back to Transformative Experts. And we're back with J.J. Ramberg. J.J., um, over the break, we were talking a little bit more about your history, and, and you know, we, we touched on it so lightly, but you've, um, you've worked with multiple stations and, um, and had multiple roles, inclu- you know, starting out as a producer but ultimately getting on air. Give us a little bit about your path through the journalism um, because I think it does lead to another entrepreneurial story of yours with, with one of your other companies. Um, yeah, well, my first job was I was the receptionist right after college. I was the receptionist for NBC Nightly News. I literally go to sleep and dream of saying nightly, nightly, nightly. That's how I'd answer the phone. Um, and, and sort of made my way through NBC until I was at Dateline NBC, where I was a, an associate producer, and then left to go to business school. I, and I went and got my MBA. And then worked for, during Internet 1.0, a company called Cooking.com, which is very fitting for the time. And then went to, I went and got a job at CNN. So at that point, I wanted to be um, a correspondent. So they hired me to open their Silicon Valley Bureau. Um, as a producer, which my background was as a producer, but I, I said I'm really interested in being a correspondent at the time. And so for a year, every time I would produce a piece for the correspondent that I worked with, I would do one for myself, too, and send it in to my boss over at CNN. And every month I'd say, am I ready yet? And every month he would come back and say, you are not, <laughs> you are terrible. And then the next month I'd send him another tape and I said, okay, am I ready yet? And he'd say, you are terrible. And then actually a little before that, almost my first day at CNN, they put me on air because there was some story I was working on and I indeed was beyond awful on air, like deer in the headlights. But, but I kept practicing. Um, I had the producing chops and I had the reporting chops. I just had to get comfortable being And so finally, after a year, they said, okay, you can start doing your own stories now. So um, that was pretty exciting for me. What just, just out of curiosity, what, so what makes a good, um, what makes a good reporter in front of a camera? What's, what's the difference? You know, we don't see the bad ones. I don't think that often because, you know, if you watch the shows, they're, they're not putting them on there, right? What was the difference between you being bad and you being good enough to be on camera? 
Oh, I just had to be comfortable on air, right? So you're not really stiff and talking like a robot or, I mean, I'm sure actually you have seen people who are not that good on air. Um, or if you watch me in the early days, then you definitely have. But it's, uh, yeah, it's just, yeah, you know, you do radio, right? So you can picture people who are comfortable talking on a mic and some people who just are not as good. Well, radio is nice because nobody actually has to see you, right? So um, it, I, I think it, it makes it a little bit easier. And, 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 you know, the old joke is, is you know, those of us on radio, usually it's because we've got a face for radio. Yeah, yeah. Well, for people who cannot see you, you have a face for television, too. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. We'll see. Um, you know, OK, so but but, you, you know, you finally got on camera, but somewhere in there you also started was so you started Good Shop. Was that your first real entrepreneurial like your first entrepreneurial business or did you did you do other entrepreneurial things before that? No, that was the first company that I started. So my brother and I had this idea um, about about directing money to good causes. So, and again, it seems so obvious now, but this was so long ago. This was before Tom Shoes, before um, all these companies that give money to causes, right? There were some, there were some campaigns, um, socially responsible campaign, but, but not many. So we had this idea of what if we created a search engine and every time you did a search, we would redirect advertising dollars to the cause of your choice. So we launched that and it still exists. It's called Good Search. Um, and then after a while, we added coupons to it and that's Good Shop. So we've got all the best online coupons. And every time you use one, money goes to the cause of your choice. So we have donated millions and millions of dollars to great causes that our users have chosen. But what I'm really excited about is that we just launched an offshoot of this called dog dog. So it's dogdog.org. And every time you do a search money goes to an animal shelter because these animal shelters, as we learned from all of our days with good pods and also from, you know, being dog lovers and, and having pet our own really struggle to raise the money. So much of them just are dependent on donations to raise the money to feed dogs, care for dogs, provide health care, shelter, etc. And so we are just super excited to start redirecting millions and millions of dollars to dog shelters. How do you pick the shelters? Um, well, there are a few ways. We've, we've picked some that we work with because we worked with them on good, on good shop and good search. Um, and so we, we have sort of a series of them that we're going to do every month money will go to a particular shelter excellent excellent and um but by the way if anyone out there has a dog shelter that they care about or interested just get in touch with us i mean we're we're in the business helping. can they do that through dogdog.org um you can or i mean you just it's probably easier through good pods right now so just go to hello at goodpods.com you know what your your uh sound blinked for a second can you just spell that out Oh, yeah. So if you want to get in touch, if you have a dog shelter, yeah, you can go to contact us on dogdog.org. Contact us at dogdog.org. Okay, that'll yeah. work great. Okay, so um, so you, you've launched these things and, and certainly you, you saw some success. Um, did that feed into the, the good pod success then? And, um, and how do you, 
I guess, how do you drive an internet-based or an app-based business forward? How do you maintain the success and how do you grow it? Well, with good pods, I mean, did the other ones drive the success? I think it it drove the partnership between my brother and myself because we've done all these companies together. Um, for good pods, well, when I when we came up with the idea for good pods, I literally talked to Chris. I wish I could show you my spreadsheet. Seven hundred people, and this ranged from really famous podcasters who you know to the head of podcasting development companies down to people who have a tiny podcast or people who listen to podcasts once a month. I just wanted to say, is there a problem out there with discovery or is this just in my mind? And here's what we're thinking. Do you think this is a good idea? And so I just talked, I mean, I love talking to strangers, but I, I just talked and I got in touch with people and then I'd ask them, is there someone else I should talk to, to a zillion, 700 people. And so from all of that feedback, we created good pods and then we launched it. And then I started talking to the people who were using the app and then got feedback from them. So the good pods you see today is very different, frankly, just much more robust than the good pods that we launched with. And so growing the app for us, it's all been word of mouth so far, um, but it's just been a lot about talking to our users, seeing what they like about it, and then just kind of developing this community of people who really love the app, who are then sharing it with their friends. And then we just had some crazy thing happen, like Kim Kardashian posted about it. This was this, we didn't pay her. It wasn't an advertising relationship. And Alyssa Milano posted about it and Fast Company named it one of its most innovative companies. And so I think just by having a good product, the word has spread. Yeah, product is key. And again, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes a lot of time. You guys certainly put in the, the research and, and everything. Did you guys self-fund this or did you raise raise money based on the idea? Um, no, we did. We haven't raised any money for it. Yeah. So again, for our listeners who are considering doing this, I mean, you know, you hear stories all the time about people taking ideas out and trying to finance these things, but this can be done from a self-funded basis. Um, it's probably not cheap, but you know, you get started and then it starts generating some money along the way. Um, do you find, you know, your, your revenue streams are, is it mostly through advertising? I mean, how, how, how do you continue to fund your, your operations? Um, so we are still funny. There, there's no, we don't charge anyone for anything on the app right now. Yeah. It's very different. Um, yeah. than than the other businesses we have, but we really, when we launched this, it is social media at its core, right? It is sharing. I am listening to with my friends and them sharing what they're listening to with me. And so we really made um, a conscious vision to say, let us focus on product and let's focus on building this community and making sure that what we think people want, they want (laughs) before we start focusing on revenue. And so we're still in that stage. We are like laser focused on just product and, and building our audience on good pods. Yeah. You know, I, it's, it's, I think it's actually a great way to go. I mean, I, I see a lot of people who start these companies and the first thing they do is they start with the economic model, 
right? They start with, well, here's the cost and here's how we're going to generate revenues and we're going to charge members X number of dollars and advertising is going to be this, 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 and this. And they're out there trying to sell it to investor groups. And I've seen so many of them fail because they don't, they don't ever get the product right. Um, and there really is well, something you, to it. And it's pretty fun. So we have all kinds of place on good pods where we promote podcasts. Um, and it's really fun when podcasters call and they say, you know, what can we, can we pay you to promote us? And I say, you cannot pay me to promote you, but I'd love to promote you. We're in the business of promoting podcasts. So I'll send it to our editorial team. They'll make sure that it's good and worth promoting. And, and so it's really fun to get to do all of this and just help build this community and this industry and this infrastructure for everyone and, and do it as a team. And, and, you know, the other piece of it is sometimes people think that the, there has to be, a, you know, huge teams of people behind something like, a, you know, like, like an app run system. And, and given the fact that you have to manage so many things, but there, there are a lot of, there's a lot of technology available. How many people does it take to run good pods? Um, you know, it, it, it takes a bunch of, our technology is pretty specific. It, it, it takes a bunch of people to get the technology right on this thing. It is pretty complicated and there is a lot going on. So, so we do have a whole bunch of people working on it, but look, that's how, that's how we get it done. And so that's why we're able to move pretty quickly. I mean, one thing I'm very proud about is that we, we have every podcast on there and I certainly love listening to a lot of the big ones, but I've been really proud about how we've concentrated on serving the indie community as well. Mm-hmm. And so when we heard about it, we heard from indie podcasters, it's like nobody can find us. And so we came up with this idea of like, let's do indie only top hundred lists. So on good pods, you can see here are the top hundred shows or top hundred episodes per category, but then you toggle to indie only and you can see the top indie shows. But anyhow, so having a team who can react quickly to ideas like that is really fantastic. Oh, that's that's outstanding. That's outstanding. Um, you know, just trying to think. So, so you know, still getting back. So you started, um, you know, Good Shop. How, how much longer did you stay in the media world before you ended up, um, you know, really stepping out and doing this full time? So at that point, you were still with CNN and you, now you were doing some, some of the... Uh, you know, some of the, the early stuff like Good Shop and, and good, oh, I guess Good Search was the first one. But how much longer did you stay in? Um, let's see. I left CNN when I started Good Search and Good Shop. And then I was, I drilled in for them every once in a while when they needed some help. So I was working full time on my company and CNN called me and asked me if I would fill in at the stock exchange because the reporter was out for the night or the day. And so I went in and I was working at the stock exchange for them on air and MSNBC had just done a deal for a new show that they were going to have launched called your business about entrepreneurship. And it was meant to be a six month show and they needed an anchor. Mm-hmm. And so the executive producer was searching around for an anchor, looked on the TV, saw me at the stock exchange and said, what about her? <laughs> and so called a friend over at CNN said, is she under contract? And they said, she's not, she doesn't work here. Um, she's just filling in. And so MSNBC called me and said, we're doing this show for six months. 
would be interested in anchoring it. And of course I said, yes, because how fun. And while I was starting my company, it was just going to be six months. I figured for six months I can do both things at once. And I didn't have any kids. I was, you know, on my own. And so I had lots of time and I figured I could work 24 hours a day. both. So I went and did that show that six months turned into 12 years. (laughs) And so for 12 years, I, ran my company and did my show on MSNBC. So um, it was a pretty busy and then also got married and had kids. And so it was a pretty busy 12 years. And then, and then when I started good pods, that is when I, I left television and I'm focused on, on good pods. Yeah. It must've been interesting. I mean, I, I think being an entrepreneur and hosting a program on entrepreneurialism gives you a certain amount of credibility that they might not have gotten if they just had a, a regular anchor. It probably helped you ask some, some different questions or, or probe or share stories maybe a little bit differently than somebody who wasn't an entrepreneur. Well, it did. I always laugh and say, if anyone followed closely kind of the questions that I was asking or the stories I did on my show, you would have a sense of what was going on with my own company, right? So it was yeah. like, how do you how do you negotiate a lease? How do you what happens when you grow fast? What happens when the, you know I was always sort of asking questions for myself. And I think you're right. The fact that I was doing it really added a lot to the show because I could ask the follow-up question, right? So it's not just, you know, what paycheck company should you work with? It's like, well, if you, you know, ask the next question, like whatever it might be on the thing, or it's not um, any, uh, to my point, you just, I, I would just go into details about each particular thing because I was dealing with it myself. Yeah, it's, it's funny because because I ask a lot of questions on this show and, and have found that, uh, one, it's, it, it's helped me out with my business quite a bit. And I do. I, the, the curiosity, usually when, when you've got something more personally in it or, or affected personally, I think it does allow for, for a better set of questions. We are, um, we're up on our next break already. So time goes really, really quickly. And um, you know, I, I think uh, suffice to say, uh, you know, JJ being an expert on podcasts, I think when we come back, um, I want to spend some time because I know that there are other listeners out there. I've had a few people contact me that are interested in starting their own, you know, podcasts. Uh, maybe we can spend some time on, on you know, the, the things that, that make for a really successful podcast, which of course, again, you know, question I would want to ask and, and know too. So uh, let's take a break. We'll be back in uh, just a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and Network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. True results happen where culture meets execution. The Execution Culture, co-written by our host, Chris Elias, is designed to make your company smarter, faster, and stronger by sharing real-world advice on culture, leadership, and execution. It's time to transform your business with the help of the Execution Culture. The book is available now on Amazon. Click the link on the show page. Is your company or team struggling to achieve the results you would like? Optimize your life, your team, and your organization through clarity, purpose, and action. At Nexecute, we have over 100 years of combined experience leading organizations and coaching individuals to achieve their vision. We design a customized approach to ensure successful execution and optimize your results. Connect better. Grow better. For a free consultation with Chris Elias, visit nexecutegroup.com. 
That's N-E-X-E-C-U-T-E group.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. If you have a question or a comment about the show, please send an email to listener at transformativeexperts.com. Now, back to Transformative Experts. And we're back one last time with J.J. Ramberg. Okay, J.J., before the break, um, you know, we, we, we started going down the path of um, podcasting in general. I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's what you guys do, at least with this, this one company, um, given that you have others as well. Um, how many podcasts do you think you've listened to in your, in your career? <laughs> oh my God. Hundreds, thousands, so many. I, I don't know. I, I can't even count. I listen to podcasts all the time. Yeah. And, and you commented earlier that, that, you know, sometimes people will call in and say, Hey, will you, you know, will you, will you promote the podcast? And, you know, obviously that's what you're in the job to do, but you know, you you have a team of people that'll listen and probably decide whether or not it's worth promoting. Um, maybe that's a little harsher than some, but, but I mean, I, you know, I've listened to a lot of podcasts and, and, um, I don't think I've listened to a bad one, um, but some are certainly better than others. What makes for a great podcast? So I'd love to spend our, this last segment talking about, you know, what are the things that, that really make for the best podcasts? Um, oh God, it's, it's so many different things because it depends what kind of podcast it is, right? If it's a host driven one like this, I think it's the host. It's a combination of the host being compelling someone you want to listen to and the guest being compelling and somebody you want to listen to. I think at that point, it's just all about the people. If it is a more narrative podcast, then it's just all about being a good storyteller and having good production value to your podcast. Yeah, that production value is really something else. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate because, you know, we've I've got a, a group of people that, that do that, but, um, you know, a lot of people just do the the podcast on their own. And, um, you know, how, how tech savvy do you have to be in order to, to, to actually produce a good podcast? And maybe what are some of the, what are the, some of the bits of advice that you have for people who are doing their own productions? Oh, I don't think you need to be that tech savvy, actually. You know, there, there are lots of tools out there. So many companies out there just make it easy for you. Um, I have to admit, this is I, I. We really come in once your podcast is made, and where my expertise comes in, and where Good Pods comes in is then how do you grow your audience? So there are lots of companies out there all, that are all about making the podcast, and and again, you do not need to be so tech savvy. Lots of people are making fantastic shows, knowing little to nothing about tech. <laughs> Um, but, but then we, we are really focused on, you've got your show now, how do you get listeners? Excellent. So let's go down that path for a little bit then. How do you get listeners? Well, that's why we launched good pods, right? So I, I think the best way is word of mouth. 
podcasts. And if you just think about your own life, it's probably how you find podcasts right now, right? At dinner parties or calling your friends or when you're talking to people or on Twitter, you know, what podcast are you listening to? And so I think to grow your listeners, you need an army of listeners who really love your show and who want to get the word out for you. At Good Pods, what we've done is simply make that more efficient. So the way it works is when I listen to something on Good Pods, it goes on my profile. You can picture like Goodreads or Instagram or Twitter. And then it goes on the feed. So everyone who's following me sees that I've listened to it. So for a podcaster, every time someone listens to your show, it's instant marketing. And so what's really neat is we see podcasts go viral all the time as they pass from friend to friend to friend to friend as they see it on each other's feeds. Got it. Got it. And, um, oh, I had another question. It just flew, flew out of my mind. Um, what are some of your favorites? So, so what, what are you listening to lately? What are the, do you tend to like the more narrative when you're running or do you tend to like more the host driven? What, what drives you? I like them all. You know what? I just kind of went down a rabbit hole of, did, I don't know if you saw Lula Rich on Amazon, oh. um, but anyhow, there's a whole podcast. It's, it's a docu-series on Amazon. And so there's a whole podcast series kind of following um, stories that are associated with that documentary series. But I mean, it's so random. So I listened to that. Then I listened to a Dan Rather talk with Walter Isaacson about CRISPR. I listened to the Delphi podcast about NFTs. I'm listening to the Dropout about Elizabeth Holmes troll. BJ, no, I'm just going down my list here and telling you what I've listened to. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, it's like, it's real lunch therapy, which is this fun podcast where they talk to people about what they ate for lunch. The Learn It podcast, which is this cool podcast about education and neat ways to, to um, teach kids. Anyhow, it's you can look up, you go on to Good Pods and see my um, profile. It's really across the board. So, you know, listening. So for me, when I listen to a podcast, um, probably, oh, I don't know, I'll, maybe I'll use the 80-20 rule. Maybe 80% of the time I'm looking to learn something. Um, you know, so I, I might be looking for something that, that, that will help me with something I'm working on, whatever it is, but there's that 20% of the time it's, it's, it's just pure entertainment. I want to turn off the, the world and, and just kind of enjoy something. Um, and you know, it's been a little bit hit and miss, um, lately for me, but, um, you know, how about you? Do you, do you tend to be more on the educational side, the, the entertainment side? Is there maybe a different, different reason to listen um, it's both. I think it's both. I might, because I'm so in the middle of this world, right? I just have so many different kinds of things that I listen to. And I'm also listening to them for work as well. Sometimes I'm looking to see, is this something we want to recommend to people? And so I don't think I'm kind of the average user <laughs> in this case, but I, I do like learning. I like being entertained, all, all of the above. So, but I, I really appreciate getting to, you know, there are a few people that I follow on good pods who I always just get good recommendations from. Who are some of those? Um, my sister, Mel Staggs yeah. is, is one who is, um, who is great. My husband, 
Scott Glass is always um, someone who I listen to quite a lot. And then they're just like, you know, a bunch of people who I don't actually personally know who I follow on good pads on good pods who, you know, like the Delphi podcast, the NFT one I found from someone who I don't really know, but they just listen to interesting things on good pods. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting because you can, um, you can follow people. It's probably not unlike like a Twitter in a way, right? You can follow people. You don't have to be quote unquote friends with them. It's not like, like a Facebook or LinkedIn where your invite has to be accepted or anything like that. Uh, it depends how your profile. So people can set up private profiles where they accept everyone or their public profiles where anyone can see. That said, if I have a public file and I listen to something and I don't want everyone to know, I can make that particular listen private. Got it. So, you know, if you, it's something either, you know, you want to keep private or do you ever, I mean, you ever listen to a podcast and you thought, oh my gosh, this, this just, this wasn't for me and you just don't want people to know? Yeah, you can make any you want private. But yeah. it's really fun. I've been introduced to so many new shows. So many. And as you're saying, you you listen to stuff to learn. Well, I wouldn't have known what science podcast to learn from. Science is not my world, but I follow people who know a lot about science. And so I just found really cool stuff from them. Do you um do you find yourself like you mentioned Dan Rather who who obviously has been in in the journalistic world forever. Um, as long as I can remember. So do you, do you find yourself listening to other journalists or, or is it just, you know, kind of as random as anything else? I do. I definitely do. Though I listened to them a bit less than when I first started Good Pods, which was part of the reason I wanted to start it because I was just in my one world where I just kept listening to the same news podcasts over and over again. Well, I also listened to a bunch of NPR stuff, but, you know, I wanted to go beyond the journalists that I knew and beyond the world that I knew. I worked in news for so long. I wanted to hear all of these other things and, and be introduced to all of these other hosts. And so I'm curious. So this now takes me down a completely you know, different path and stream of consciousness, right? So, you know, news today, there's so many different news sources. I mean, we've got the traditionals, the CNNs, the MSNBCs, as, as you've worked at the local networks. Um, you've got, you know, radio, um, you've got NPR, but now we've got so many different, um, you know, so many different media sources, you know, YouTube. I mean, I see people kind of creating almost their own news on YouTube and, you know, and then podcasts, you know, everything in between. Social media has almost become a news source for some. And, oh, yeah. And the, for a lot. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's like the world is, is, is journalist. A uh, good friend of mine who was um, in, the, in the journalism world for a long time actually really got fed up with a lot of the, the direction that some of the stations are, are taking now and guiding, guiding news to some degree and, and ultimately just walked away. And, and he, he's gone more into talk radio and doing more like interviews and something as opposed to traditional line news. What, do you, what are your opinions? Because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of things with some of the people I'm interviewing, um, just a mixed bag. But, but what's your opinion with what's happening with journalism today? And do you, do you think that some of the mainstreams are getting getting away from what was considered traditional journalism to com compete and combat what's going on in the internet? Or is it just all becoming a big mess? It feels to me like it's becoming a big mess. I don't even know who to trust anymore to some degree. What I'd love to know your thoughts on it. Well, I think the biggest issue with news is what we all know, which is that we live in these echo chambers. Yeah. And so 
And so I think it is incumbent upon all of us and all of our responsibilities to make sure that we go out of the normal places that we are using to get news in order to hear just another perspective. And so, right, it's whether you're getting it from television or radio or from Facebook or any social media, right? I mean, particularly online, we're being fed stuff that is similar to what we've read in the past. And so I do think it is the responsibility of all of us as consumers of news to do our own research and make sure that we are reading something from an organization that is different than the one we maybe normally go to. Yeah, that certainly gives gives the perspective and thinking. And, and unfortunately, I don't think people work as hard for it. I, I think that sometimes, you know, I, I just different get-togethers I've been to recently. You hear people talking about it, and they'll make these statements out of the blue. It's like, where did you get that? And you know, they got it from just the one news source that they listen to. They don't look at anything else, and it's it's very very curious how people seem to be just so incredibly polarized and almost not wanting to to look and do that research these days? Well, I mean, it's work, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is work to, to go do that. And so we have to all feel personal responsibility to go ahead and do that. Yeah. It's, and, and you're right. It is work because it's, I find myself searching and sometimes I can find two articles on the same subject saying exactly the opposite of each other. And then you have to dig, you really do have to dig deep into the, the facts themselves. Um, we have, uh, we just have a couple minutes left. And so, you know, as far as, you know, getting on a system, building a, a network of friends, um, you know, love it. If you'd, you'd offer some advice on how people can find your app and, um, get things, get things started. What's the process of getting on good pods and, and how would, how would somebody get started with it? Um, great. So you can download Good Pods from the App Store or the Google Play Store. Just search for Good Pods. Uh, once you are on, you can it, it allows you to find your friends on Facebook or Twitter, or you can connect contacts just so you can see. We don't store your contacts, but just so you can see if you have any friends on Good Pods that you can follow right away. Um, and then once you are on the app, you can, there are share buttons everywhere, share it from your profile next to every episode. And those are ways for you to invite your friends to the app. And those are customized links so that it's an invitation from you to your friend. But I really highly suggest that if you come on to Good Pods, go invite at least one or two friends to come on and follow each other because that's when it gets really fun is when you start getting to see what your friends are listening to and they can see what you're listening to and you really start to share knowledge with each other. Yeah. And, 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 you know, build groups and um, become a listener group, not unlike a, you know, a reading group, right? You know, a group of people that just share reading, you know, like a book club or, you know, have a podcast club. Exactly. I have a podcast club with with three of my best friends and so you can create that on good pods as well yeah and and best of all everyone it it, it is it is free i mean you know get out there and check it out you know jj thank you so much for um for being with us uh today we are we're really at the end of our time our allotted time so i appreciate your time thanks so much chris good talking to you good talking to you too take care everyone and um i will see you all again next week Thank you for joining Chris Elias for this week's edition of Transformative Experts. 
We hope you'll tune in again next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And catch our weekly replay on the Voice America Influencers Channel, Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a good week.